0: It's time to rock your midlife with Dr. Ellen Albertson. Are you ready to get real, break through, and learn how to make your midlife the best time of your life? Take on those life challenges and turn them into opportunities? Let's rock, here's Dr. Ellen. Hey everybody, Dr. Ellen here, the
1: Midlife Whisperer. Welcome to Rock Your Midlife. If you are a returning listener, thank you so much for tuning in. And if you're new, welcome. I am thrilled to have you here. And as always, if you want to reach out to me and let me know the kind of guests you like to hear or you've got a question for me, please reach out to me at themidlifewhisperer.com. That is themidlifewhisperer.com. And today's show is going to inspire you to be brave and courageous and confident at midlife, which I think something that I know that so many midlife women that I meet, that I work with, struggle with every single day. I think the propensity is just we talk about this almost every week, is to stay stuck. You know, that's not your fault if you're one of those people who's stuck and you've had all these dreams and you feel like I'm just spinning my wheels and I'm never getting anywhere. It really is neuroscience. Your brain is not designed to make you happy. Your brain is designed to keep you safe. And I got to tell you, being brave and courageous at midlife and using that to build confidence—sometimes, I think, pretty much all the time—requires you to step outside your comfort zone. So, we are going to inspire you today with amazing women who have done just that. They are brave, confident, and courageous at midlife. But I wanted to start off. I'm really talking about these words: um, brave and courageous. So often we lump them together. We think, oh, you're brave, you're courageous, are the same things, but the words are very, very different. So most of us think bravery and courage mean the same thing, but they actually are very different mental states. So when you think about the word brave, I mean, what comes to mind with me as I was thinking about this, as I was um, out walking my dog today and what these words mean to me, but I think about male Gibson and Braveheart, right? Those like men standing there with these like battle axes and these hammers, you know, they've just like had like swigs of, I don't know, grog or whatever. They're drinking scotch and they're just like, ah, they're going in there like full force. Fearless, not thinking just like, okay, here I am, like doing that. And that's really what bravery is about. It's kind of about being fearless. And it's interesting, before the word brave entered uh, the English language around the 15th century, it came from the word bravo. And we think when someone has stood up and done something, we were like, yeah, bravo, good for you. You faced your fears. You were fearless. You did that thing. And so that's really what um, bravery is about. It's really, you know, I think about it with soldiers, having little fear or concern for what might happen to them. Because I think, I mean, I have no desire to be on the front lines, but if I was, I wouldn't want to think about what ultimately could happen. And so they've, they've got this mission. They feel... Like they are, you know, ready to just jump into action. They are, you know, accepting the challenge. They are daring and they're being brave. Um, Now, now courage is very, very different. And I've talked a lot about courage on the show and that the root of the word courage comes from core, which is French for heart. And so following uh, courage is really about following that path with heart. So whereas bravery tends to be more spontaneous, courage comes with this degree of choice. You know, we're choosing to do this. It's, It's really taking something bigger than ourselves. You know, the risk is worth taking. It's also about doing the right thing. So I think about... You know, women like Mala Yusafa you know, Sahavazi, who I'm probably butchering her name, you know, Michelle Obama, Oprah, Rosa Parks, Florence Nightingale, Mother Teresa, these amazing women who are like, I see something wrong in the world and I am going to stand up on that bus. I'm going to take the high road. I'm going to talk about all the injustice I see and do something about it. So courage is kind of. Following your heart, and I love what um, Steve Marbella says about the difference. He says to embark on the journey towards your goals and dreams requires bravery. To remain on that path requires courage. And I think in like my own life, I think about you know uh, a couple of years ago, I was at one of our um, ski resorts, Jay's Peak, Jay's Peak, and they have this um, ride called La Chute. And this was all about bravery. It's this crazy ride where you. Stand, you get to the top. First, you have to walk up these steps and get to the top. And it's called the shoot because you stand there on this red pl- this little platform. And it's kind of like the there's this tube that goes around you. They count down 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. They open the door. You drop 60 feet literally at like 25, 35 miles an hour, fast enough to get you to go around this. Spinning thing. It's like a, you know, it just goes upside down and you come out the other end. And it took a lot of bravery for me to do that. It was like, I want to do this thing. I'm going to do it. And it was, I was so scared. My heart was beating a mile a minute, but it wasn't courage. It wasn't really following my heart. I was just like, okay, I'm daring myself. I like to cliff jump. Uh, My mentor is trying to convince me that I should jump out of an airplane. I don't think that's quite on my vision board, but that kind of thing, right, where there's not a cause, but you're just like, yeah, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to be brave. And that's wonderful. It can be empowering. It can be exhilarating. There's a sense of, yeah, I did that thing. Um, It's really powerful. But courage is very different. I think about my own life, a couple of instances, certainly, um, Coming out in my present incarnation um, as a midlife whisperer several years ago, my brand was very inauthentic. I was really showing images of my 40-year-old self. I'm in my 50s. You know, I wouldn't show up unless I had a lot of makeup on. I don't usually wear much makeup um, other than maybe a little bit of Burt's Bees lip gloss and a little bit of like eyebrow gel. And that's about it for me. It's where I feel comfortable. But I was really showing up, you know, inauthentic. And I felt like an imposter. And then I decided, Courage was saying, listen, if you are telling women to find the clarity, the energy, and the confidence to rock their midlife, well, you better start showing up as yourself. And so the first time I put a picture of the real me, the like, this is the present me. I took this yesterday. My heart was like beating a mile a minute. It was like coming out of my chest. And I, you know, put it up there. And the interesting thing was that I got so many likes. So many women were like, yes, you look great. I love your smile. This is awesome. And I think that's something that I love about social media and Women at Midlife is that so many of us are showing up as ourselves. Um, Another thing for me really has been this whole breast cancer journey. And I've been talking a lot about it. And I think You know, I think about bravery, bravery is, you know, first getting that mammogram. I had a mammogram. My breast cancer was detected with what's called an ultrasound, um, which is using sound to detect it. And it takes a lot of bravery because you're thinking, gosh, what if they find something? So it takes bravery to get your mammogram. It takes bravery the day after I came in for my second ultrasound because I got that awful call like, ooh, you need to come in. The day after that, I wasn't supposed to get my biopsy for a week and I got a call in the morning and they said, somebody canceled, somebody chicken out. They weren't brave enough to get it. They decided, well, I'll just, I'll just put it off. And I can't imagine doing that. And I was like, okay, saddle up. And having my biopsy was, was really scary. It took bravery to have the biopsy, to get the diagnosis, to get the surgery, to do 19 days of radiation. Um, and you know go through what, what what I've chosen is is Herceptin and I think to, to me so that's the bravery of following that the courage for me has not been is doing not doing everything that the doctors told me to do. I have learned through this experience to really advocate for myself. I love my body it has taken me pretty much 40, 50 years to correct my negative body image, to feel good about myself. I take my health and wellness very seriously. And I also have um, a mutation called the BRCA mutation. So I'm concerned about getting another cancer. But the oncologist, their job is really to knock out this cancer. And so, you know, when unfortunately, fortunately, I have an oncologist who is willing to uh, follow my lead, which is awesome. But I really have learned how to advocate for myself. And I'm a real people pleaser. I want people to like me. I want to follow the course. And so my whole journey, the courage piece has really been about navigate, navigating the conventional and the complementary. Really looking at the numbers of, you know, I have an integrative medical doctor, Dr. Jen Simmons, who's amazing. I have an OD, an osteopathic doctor. I have a naturopath. I have a huge team of, you know, people who are complementary supporting me. I've done lots of research. I got my second opinion at Dana Farber with one of the world's leading experts on, you know, women's uh, reproductive cancers. And then I had to sit back and I had to be courageous enough to say that chemo was just not my, my jam. It wasn't for me. I couldn't put myself through that. And when I looked at the statistics, I really felt like, and, and my you know integrated medical doctor agreed that my, uh, just doing the Herceptin alone would really be enough. So I'm hoping that that's enough. But for me, that's where the, the courage kind of is. And I'd love for you to, to think about that right now. Where in your life have you been brave? And where in your life have you been courageous? You know that bravery piece is sort of like spontaneous, like me just saying, "Yeah, I'm gonna go do a shoot, and I'm just gonna jump it, or I'm gonna jump it, I'm gonna jump off this cliff." Whereas the courage piece really kind of has this kind of moral piece to it. What in your life are you looking at that you don't like right now? And I think that you know we are so living in a world right now where there is so much wrong with the world. And when I work with my clients and they're trying to find their passion and purpose, I am always um, asking them like, where do you see injustice in your world? Where are you seeing? And for me, it's you know, so many places. Food equality, You know, people who live in food deserts or don't have enough to eat. I feel like every human being on the planet should have access to healthy food so important. So I'm doing things, we grow this humongous garden and we go to the food shelf and we give our excess to people who don't have the funding to buy beautiful produce. And I give money to organizations that fight hunger because that's something that I see in the world that I think is horrible that, you know, I want to make a difference. I think about, you know, women in health, how many women have, and I know our, our next guest is going to talk a lot about this, have, have the ability to get a mammogram and have the funds, if they are diagnosed, to be able to go through the treatment? The treatment is so expensive. My little dime-sized cancer is probably going to cost my health insurance company somewhere between $200,000 and $250,000, which is crazy. But what about people who don't have a health plan? You know, what are we doing about that? And then, you know, other women in the world who are, you know, in really horrific situations, women and children. So, you know, this show is supposed to be, it is all about being upbeat, but really it's also about finding your truth and rocking your midlife is where you take the first half of your life and you say, my gosh, um, I made some mistakes. I've got to know myself better. I know what my core values are. These are all kinds of things I cover in my book, Rock Your Midlife. And I want to make a difference in the world because I don't know about you. When I get to the end of my life, when I get into my hopefully 100, because I'm, that's really one of my uber goals in life is to make it to the ripe, wonderful age of 100, maybe even 100 plus, I want to look back and I want to see, Wow not only did you rock midlife, not only did you were you brave and you traveled and you did things and you stepped outside your comfort zone, but you also were courageous. You saw wrong in the world. Another issue that I'm really um, passionate about is ageism. It's one of those isms that we don't talk enough about. So often, particularly when I do things like um, go to yoga class, I am the oldest person in the room by far. Often I feel like everybody's I'm double their age. You know, everybody's in their 20s and here I am, almost 60, but we don't talk about it. And that's starting to change because we are starting to talk about it. And women at Midlife are coming out and saying, I have a voice and I'm important and I'm valuable. I'm at the prime of my life. I still have many years of work ahead of me and my retirement can be rich and juicy and I can make a difference. So we are talking about so many things. So I hope today's show will really inspire you to grab that you know bull by the horn whatever it is whatever you see in your life where you want to make a difference whether that is you know helping a dozen people or a million people whether that's writing a book or raising money for a cause you care about or growing produce to feed the hungry whatever that thing is i am really hoping that today's guests will inspire you to do just that so let me introduce today's guest she's an amazing woman Her name is Emily Zarecki, and she is the founder and chief storyteller at Clarion Communications. It is a PR consultancy, and she founded it in late 2022, so she is new to being her own boss, which, again, takes tremendous courage. Her 25-year career in PR PR, has spanned global organizations, healthcare, and agency settings, Emily was diagnosed like me. So we are cancer sisters with stage one, HER2 positive breast cancer in October of 2020. And I can only imagine it's kind of hellish going through it now, but I can't even imagine what it was like going through it in the beginning of COVID and how hard that was before the vaccine where God forbid you you get COVID when you're getting chemo. Chemo and COVID is like a recipe for disaster. So having the bravery to do that. And she's now a breast cancer survivor right on sister. Um, And she is a staunch advocate for access to mammograms and other diagnostics to detect breast cancer as early as possible. I am here to say that as well. I have to say it's no fun, but we can cure stage one. Uh, and it's, it's not a walk in the park, but I know I see people on Instagram all the time, who are stage four, and it's a completely different thing. And so get your mammogram, get your mammogram, get your mammogram. She serves as an advocacy ambassador for Susan G. Corbin, and she is a certified RISE advocate and graduate from Bowling Green State University. Emily, welcome to Rock Your Midlife.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Well, it is a pleasure and an honor to meet you, and thank you for all the incredible things you're doing in the world. So let's start off just talking about, it wasn't just breast cancer, but you have been hit with so many challenges in your life. Can you tell us a little bit about, as much as you are comfortable, the challenges that you faced at midlife?
2: Sure. Um, Challenges uh, for me started, um, I was in my mid-30s. My husband first husband, was so open with me about his challenges with mental health. He struggled with um, a pretty serious type of depression. He was very open about it, uh, at least with me. And um, during, um, so I was about 35, and he's doing all the right things. He's taking the medication he needs. He's seeing counseling when he needs to. He did everything he was supposed to do. But um, it, I often say the disease was just bigger than he, than he was. Um, He um, took his life. It was in um, July of 2009. And um, there I was suddenly, you know, my husband's gone and I'm now the the solo parent of three children under the age of eight. I had a son who just turned eight and twin daughters who are four. And how old
1: were you at the time?
2: I was 35. Wow. And I mean, it was just, I just didn't, I didn't know what to think, do, where, where do I go? I was just completely stopped in my tracks um, with just the the shock and incredible grief from this person who just had this big booming personality and just, you know, looking at him, you're thinking, you know, he's, he's got it all. He's got a great job. He was, you know, a huge advocate for all things wildlife. He uh, worked for the Ohio Division of Natural Resources, was a wildlife biologist, would speak about it. Um, you know, his family was everything. And I, I'm the number of people that came up to me and they're like, not Steve, this isn't right. And I'm like, it, it's not right, but but it happened. And trying to then figure out what next? How am I going to do this moving forward with three little kids?
1: Yeah. So it was really, you needed a lot of courage.
2: A lot of courage. Yes. A lot of courage to just really figure out. I think for the longest time, I was really focused on my kids. I, you know, they're so young. This is such a traumatic, just hard to wrap your, your arms around experience. And I think I put a lot of my own grief, what I needed to do to heal on the side, kind of of the back burner and really focused on the kids and make sure they're going to see a grief counselor. They knew what they they need. Um, On those days when I just didn't want to get up, I thought, I've got three kids depending on me. You have to get up and go. And it was just um, some days it was just one foot in front of the other, figure it out, you may not want to, but uh, but you have to, and yeah, that was a lot of the the driving force was just I've got to keep going. And some days it was just that put one foot in front of the other and take it, you know, an hour by hour versus uh, day by day.
1: Yeah, it's definitely that you know life only hands you as much as you can handle, and you it sounds like you you handled it, but weren't able to process it to the level that you needed to.
2: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think it was definitely much, much later that, um, I mean, it was hard to believe that we, you know, honored 13 years uh, just a couple of weeks ago that he's been gone. And I I know it was such a, a delayed time that I really started focusing on myself and really understanding the magnitude of what happened in trying to rationalize this, you know, I lost my husband, my partner in life. But also the complications that come with losing someone by suicide, that uh, just the, you know, the anger that can come in there mixed with grief, there's a whole lot of complexity going on in all of that and just trying to, to figure it out and move forward in a healthy manner and, you know, raise our, our children in the healthiest way possible. And it's, uh, what it did was, you learn
1: from the situation?
2: Um, I definitely learned, um, the incredible impact of community. I, I remember, um, I was doing some research. It was actually for, for work. I was, you know, online and all of a sudden I started to see some information about this thing called camp widow. I thought, what the heck is this? You know, here I'm, you know, not even two years into being, you know, this new term of a widow and, you know, it in my then late thirties. And I thought, what in the world is this? So I, I looked into it and saw this website and it was almost like, I saw a lot of me in, in the pictures of people who had attended this, this weekend conference. And cause you know, in here in Ohio, in the Toledo area where I lived, I didn't know many people my age who had lost a spouse. And, um, so I was really, you know, kind of searching for that community, for that help. And, um, Really stepping, I mean, I guess this is, would really fall into that brave category, is stepping out of that comfort zone and just deciding, I'm getting on a plane. I am going go to go in San Diego by myself, so unlike me. Usually I'm like, I don't want to go by myself. I was like, I have to go there. And it was truly life-changing to be surrounded by, I mean, there were hundreds of people there from... 21 to 80 losing spouses and, you know, in all different ways, but we realized that if it was, you know, cancer an accident, suicide, or um, even, you know, 9-11, that regardless of how we got there, there were so many similar pathways that we were, you know, headed down, you know, that journey um moving forward and i've met some incredible people that i've you know kept in contact with and such strong bonds form and i really realize the importance of that community and being able to really heal with people who are truly going through the same experience you are
1: Yeah, so it's, if you're listening, if you're going through things, I think the commonality is, first is this common humanity, right? Mm -hmm. Knowing that I am not alone, this common humanity element of self-compassion that says that suffering is part of life. Everybody goes through things, people lose loved ones, people get sick, people die, all of this, you realize that you're not so alone. And then just also getting support, finding community Mm -hmm. and connection, and then also taking the time to heal you know, going through that grieving process, it sounds like you just put your own feelings aside, you know, obviously mom, mama bear of three and really putting your kids first, which is a beautiful thing, but to the, you know, not giving yourself the space you needed. So fast forward 11, 12 years, you get diagnosed with HER2 positive breast cancer, like I was. Tell us a little bit about what happened with that and how how you dealt with it.
2: Yes, um, I was, um, you know, doing but what I needed to do every year, you know, getting that mammogram, uh, my, my mom was a nurse, so she was always on me, you know, as soon as I was 40, let's do that mammogram. And every year I would kind of, you know, hear her in the back of my mind. So, Cause I had put it off a couple of months and I'm like, I need to do this. I've got to, got to get it scheduled. So got it scheduled in early October, may, you know, went to the appointment and had the mammogram done. I thought, okay, done. This will be done next year. And I get a call from the gynecologist's office saying, um, we need to do some additional testing. Uh, you have dense tissue and we can't see anything on your mammogram. And I was like, okay, I've had mammograms before. This hasn't come up, but oh, okay. So really wasn't too concerned, um, but I thought, okay. They wanted to then do a, an ultrasound. I just
1: interrupted you if people are listening. The dense breast thing was new for me too. I think that's a newer thing that... I feel like I'm really up to date on things, but when I got a when I had a mammogram, they said too, you've got breast dense, t- t- dense breast tissue. I think it's about fifty percent of women, and it's a double whammy. Having dense breast tissue, it's nothing wrong with you if you have dense breast tissue. It just means that there's less fat and more of a of a denser tissue, but it increases your risk of breast cancer and it makes it hard to read mammograms. You get a lot of what's called false negatives. Um, so just to let people know, if you've had that diagnosis, it doesn't mean that, you know, anything is wrong, but it does mean that it's, that you should get an ultrasound that's specifically a breast density test done. It doesn't hurt. they It's automated. It's super quick, but it's a good idea. And that's what happened to you and me. And that's, what we both, sounds like both of our, our breast cancer was found through the
2: ultrasound. Yes. Yes, it was. So, yeah, I had that uh, appointment for the ultrasound and, um, it was then, you know, getting the call back that they found something and we needed to do a biopsy. So it was immediately just kind of a lot of questions and thinking, oh my gosh, I already have cancer. But then I was like, no, I can't go there. You know, I can't, can't visit, you know, put my mind there yet. You know, let's get through the test and, and see what, see what happens.
1: And then what happened when you found out?
2: So I, uh went through the, uh, the biopsy, definitely another moment of that, that bravery of, I know I have to do this. So I'm, i have just got to do it. Um, was there and the radiologist looked at it and she said, there's definitely, you know, a fibrous mass there. Uh, I said, you know, I'm 90% sure we're looking at, you know, a benign mass, but, you know, we're going to obviously send the tissue off and be tested, but you know, we think it's okay. And I thought, you know, okay. thinking positively leave there. And uh, I don't know if you do this or I don't, I'm probably not the only one, but I know I don't have medical backgrounds yet. When I get that notification on my phone that a test result has arrived, I jump right into that portal (laughs) thinking I'm going to, I'm going to know what I'm looking at. I don't. And not realizing it, but I'm, you know, scrolling through, not really looking, knowing what I'm looking at. I looked back at it the next day. I scrolled right by invasive ductal carcinoma. Yeah. And it was before I even got the call, but I thought that's not what I'm looking for. I mean, my, I don't think my mind processed what this is. I was just looking for, you know, negative something. And I was like, I'm not sure what I I'm seeing here. And I got the phone call the next day um, on, it was on October 28th. I was, you know, working at home as we all were at that time. And I saw that it was my gynecologist's office. So I, you know, picked up the phone, fully expecting to hear the woman at the front office that always contacts me to say, you know, we got your results. We'll see you next year. And I was thrown when the woman got on the phone and she said, hi, Emily, this is Gretchen and that's my nurse practitioner. And I I didn't hear what she was saying initially, because I thought, why is she calling me? She shouldn't be calling me. And then I had to stop her. And I said, did you just say I have cancer? And she paused and she said, yes.
1: Yeah, I know that feeling. Mine was a a little different. I I had my uh, second ultrasound and then the radiologist came in and she told me it was a category five mass, which means 95% that it looks like um, cancer, but you know, if you're listening to it, I want to say this is not your mother's breast cancer. If you are diagnosed early, I think that the C word is terrifying. But cancer is a umbrella term for. All hundreds of different diseases, which are very different, and breast cancer is the most studied, most researched, most common cancer. And and honestly, if you catch it early, and also you know your breasts are, it's not a vital organ anymore. I mean, I know I, I nursed two children, so it was vital at a time, but it's not, and it's easy to get to. Again, it's not it's not a walk in the park. But both of our stories are really. Um, Early detection is where it's at. And so I know then you had, you listened to your um, doctor's advice and just followed sort of a course of action. And you've been cancer free for how long now?
2: It was a year in May. So, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Thank it's you. awesome. And
1: it's, you know, it's, it's cured and that's, what's yes. super exciting about it. And now um, you tell us a little bit about uh, your role at this. What is the Susan G Corman foundation and what do you do in terms of advocacy?
2: Yes. So um, Susan G Komen, um, uh I obviously had known of, of the organization for uh, for so long um, you know, doing the um Race for the Cure that was in our town, um, certainly knowing people that had had gone through breast cancer treatment and making donations to to Susan G. Komen. So I was certainly very um, familiar with the organization. And uh, during my the time of treatment, I um, just started researching and I was on their website and I saw some information about becoming an advocate. And of course, as I'm going through treatment and thinking, you know, everyone has to have this mammogram. And like you, knowing we found it early, my doctor immediately was talking about, you know, a 95% or more cure rate that we weren't just talking, we could treat it. I thought uh, this is going to be, you know, my, my new calling almost was I, I have to do something to advocate for this, to make sure more women know that, um, that you know, you've got to get that that mammogram. And I've learned so much about the, um, the different bills that are currently, you know, in Congress, in the Senate, and um, was actually participated as a, one of their advocacy ambassadors on what they call Hill Day, where we were having conversations. We did it all virtually, but having conversations with our representatives about the bills that were you know currently being being worked on and encouraging them to you know be a co-sponsor and here's why and being able to tell tell my story just felt so empowering and like there was really a purpose in what I had gone through that it wasn't just something i went through i really wanted to to use this as you know a driving force moving forward that there was some kind of purpose for me going through this process. And, you know, how can I, you know, help other women, encourage other women um, and being able to, to advocate was um, is just such a, such a great honor.
1: Such a beautiful thing. We're gonna take a little break and when we get back, I wanna talk a little bit about how this experience helped you to build courage and bravery and also wanna talk about your work as a certified RISE advocate. So we're gonna take a little break. You're listening to Rock Your Midlife. I'm Dr. Ellen Alberts in the Midlife Whisper. We'll catch you on the other side.
0: what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Midlife can be challenging. You may be sandwiched
1: between growing kids and aging parents, dealing with menopause and trying to find work-life balance. Or maybe your life looks good on the outside, but inside you're feeling stressed and overwhelmed and wondering how to get your confidence and joy back. You need someone to help you get real, discover who you are, and navigate life. Hi, I'm Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer, and I'm here to help. I've worked with hundreds of midlife women, went from surviving to thriving at midlife myself, and literally wrote the book on this pivotal time period, Rock Your Midlife, Seven Steps to Transform Yourself and Make Your Next Chapter Your Best Chapter. Think of me as the one-stop shop for all your midlife needs. I'm a psychologist, nutritionist, and board-certified health and wellness coach with 30 years of experience empowering midlife women. I provide nutrition consults, life coaching, and free resources to help you transform your body, your mind, your career, and your relationships. Feeling stuck? I can help you figure out how to live authentically with joy, passion, and purpose. Every Wednesday here on Voice America, live from 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I share my passion for making the most of midlife and my expertise on the most pressing midlife issues, from changing family relationships, managing stress, and securing enough resources to rediscovering yourself. I also interview experts from around the world to help you navigate your life. For more information, please visit my website, themidlifewhisperer.com, for fabulous resources, including my free gift, 10 Tips to Rock Your Midlife. That's themidlifewhisper.com.
0: Hope to see you there soon. It's time to get real, discover who you are, and get the tools to navigate your life. It's time to rock your midlife with Dr. Ellen Albertson, the midlife whisperer. Your midlife roadmap is the blueprint you need to roll with change, transform yourself, and create a fabulous second adulthood. Get answers and solutions for whatever you're up against and transform problems into opportunities. Make your next life chapter your best chapter with Rock Your Midlife every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Rock Your Midlife with Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer. Have a question for Dr. Ellen or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now back to the show. Here again is Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer.
1: Hey, welcome back to Rock Your Midlife. I'm Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer. If you are enjoying the show, please leave me a review on your favorite podcast platform. I would love to know what you think about the show. And you can always find me at themidlifewhisperer.com if you want to connect with me personally or you have some comments about the type of material you'd like me to cover or if you have a guest suggestion for me. And I want to let you know that the show is sponsored by the TheOptimal.me. For the midlifer who wants to feel younger, stay active active, independent, and energetic without pain or injury and feel confident that this phase of life is their best yet. Take control of how you age with TheOptimal.me because you're never too old to take a smarter approach to aging and give yourself the freedom and make this chapter whatever you hoped for and more. I have been enjoying using their integrative movement classes. They have all kinds of classes for both people who are seasoned athletes as well as people who are just getting into fitness. Great for your midlife body and your first 30 days are absolutely free. So check out TheOptimal.me. And before the break, we were talking with the amazing Emily Zarecki. And I have to say, I don't know if you're listening to this or you are watching it, but Emily is just such a beautiful woman. She has been through the gauntlet. It looks like you are looking at your fifties now. Um, And I want to kind of change gears a little bit and talk about kind of what's next for you. I'm curious, what are you doing to rock your midlife? When I I use the term rock your midlife, how are you rocking your midlife?
2: Yeah, I love that term, uh, rock your midlife. Um, You know, I really feel like it's gotten to this point where now that I'm in my, um, now later forties, um, heading, I've certainly got, got 50, um, in my not too distant future. Um, and I have just realized that, um, I've got to step out of that comfort zone. Um, at the beginning of this year, you know, I was never one for, for, um, you know, news, New Year's resolutions, you know, it was always like, okay, I'd try that. I'd get, you know, into the, that exercise craze and then it would kind of wane off. But I thought as I was heading into, you know, 2022, I was just beginning uh, that uh, kind of courageous step in my career of going on my own and starting a PR consultancy. And I thought, I want to start this this year and the word that just kept coming to mind was being intentional that i wanted to really be intentional with uh with the work i was doing but also with you know relationships with with women are just so so key um just the you know absolute you know bright light of my life are you know my my close women friends but also that being intentional with with networking and you know continuing to cultivate that that community, whether it was on the you know continuing through you know living through grief because it it never ends it, it definitely changes over time uh, but then also looking at you know being intentional with you know advocacy work, but there also felt like there was a little you know still something missing. And, um, but it really felt like, you know, rocking that midlife is all about being, you know, confident, taking what you've learned, but knowing there's so much more ahead.
1: Yeah. And I love that word intentional. It's so great. I love every year coming up with a word and intentional Mm -hmm. is just, what do you intend to do? And intentional can be something that you put forth for a year, a month, a day, an hour, but, you know, I find at midlife, the thing is, that the big precious isn't finances. We think money is the big precious stuff, but it's time. Yes. And at midlife, you start to realize, oh my gosh, I am running out of time. There is more time probably behind me than in front of me, or maybe it's 50-50 if you're looking at 50 and you're making it to 100. And I think that was, you know, to me, something about you know, getting a cancer diagnosis of like, wow. Um, something's got to change. And for me, it's been appreciating my life more and realizing that I have all the ingredients to just rock my midlife. I have the beautiful place where I live and I have an incredible community and I have an amazing man and I feel incredible, but appreciate that being intentional, thinking about what you want to do. So that is just beautiful that you are doing that. And I know you're also like looking at empty nest too, correct? Your kids are kind of getting yes, there.
2: They are getting there. My, my son's a junior in college and my girls will be seniors this year. So, so how is
1: that feeling? How are you handling that kind of scary the grief and fear? <laughs> how are you? And I'm curious about your, you know, how you've handled these huge bumps of losing a husband to suicide. It sounds like he was an amazing man that you loved dearly and yes. dealing with all of that and then dealing with breast cancer a little bit over a decade later how, where, how I'm curious about the sort of bravery and courage that's helping you deal with things like starting your own PR firm, you know, as you're looking at 50, going out on your own and dealing with emptiness. How are kind of some of the, uh, the, the your skills and abilities, that deep stuff that you've learned that mm-hmm. you've, you know, it's kind of like, um, you know, diamonds, right? We are pressed. There's so many metaphors for just being like pressed because God, the universe is like, you know, I've got things for you to do and we need to do a little bit of refining. It's kind of, I guess, the the idea of refining uh, metals, right? You you boil them and then you kind of sift out the dross and you're left with the gold. But how is all of this high kind of refining process helping you move forward with your business and also this kind of new lease on life with Empty Nest?
2: Yes. Yeah, There, it's definitely really, you know, digging into the, um, you know, looking at how, how have I, you know, raised them up to this point Um, with my, my son going to, to college, I'm a, you know, didn't really have the, the full experience of him leaving. He goes to college here in Toledo. Um, So he's, you know, still living at home, but knowing now the girls and we're doing, you know, the college visits and they're looking at going away. And I'm thinking, I mean, there's just this this real duality of I'm so excited for them, you know, what's ahead. I'm, you know, thinking back, you know, all the nostalgia of starting my senior year and, you know, the college visits and just thinking all of the potential and everything that that's ahead. But then also, you know, I see these pictures of these small little girls with their curls and thinking, oh, my gosh how how did this happen how are they now seniors ready to go off and you know really start creating their own life and and it feels a little bit of the the duality i think i've felt in some of these big experiences of my life of the of the grief of going through through cancer of you know the the two different sides that you're you're balancing of whether it's for you know the cancer treatment there's there's the fear balanced with the, the hope and trying to have that, that positive attitude. And, you know, now looking at, you know, the future with, um, you know, the girls possibly being, you know, off to college in, you know, less than a year is, is, uh, is scary, but trying to, one thing I'm really, um, again, being intentional about is just taking all of these last first I guess they are for their senior year so we're going to be you know at their um you know first day of school but it'll be the you know last day of high school for the you know first day of high school and just kind of going through all those so i just want to really be present in in each moment throughout their upcoming uh, senior year
1: yeah life is just it it's it's intense that's what i'm realizing at midlife it's kind <laughs> of like when you step back and you see just how beautiful and powerful and also scary and difficult all of it is, especially at midlife where you feel like you're in this pressure cooker. So you have twin teenage girls? Yes. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I have, my dearest friend has twin teenage boys and it's, it's, it's always
2: something. (laughs) It is always something, yes. I
1: can only imagine how hard that was with COVID. How did you deal with COVID breast cancer and teenagers Simultaneously, all Simultaneously. living at
2: home. Yes. Everybody was home, which was a, a great blessing too. Um, yeah, we were we were all here. Um, I spent a lot of time. My um work office is in our basement. <laughs> so um during cancer treatment and trying to work, it was it was great because I could, you know, be here at my my desk and doing some work and I could take a few steps and I'd be on a couch uh over here with, you know, TV and so I was like, you know, if you need to take that nap, you know, I had such great support at work and they're like, if you, whatever you need, you know, take that rest, you do what you need to do. And um, then, you know, having the kids close by and my my daughter, Emma became the the cook of the family and just fully embraced the, what are we making? And most of the time I thought, whatever you'd like, I can't taste any of it, so <laughs> carry on, you guys eat what you want. Um, but just to see them, all of the kids, you know, and my, my husband, you know, really step up and, um, you know, say, you know, what can we do to help you? It was just that we're all, you know, just coming together. Um, I, we became, you know, so, so much tighter and closer. The bond, you know, really strengthened with all of us in such a tough time. And I I think that's, you know, part of those, those tough times is um, really seeing some of the blessings at the same time. And that was definitely one of them was to see just all of us, you know, come together. There was, you know, times of being scared and unsure, but always, you know, all of them behind me saying, you know, no, we've, we've got this.
1: Yeah, I have to say it really um, can bring a family together and also show you how much people love you. I have to say my diagnosis is really, I'm I'm blessed to have my 90, 92-year-old parents and I have two Mm. siblings and some really amazing friends of people who are just like, how can we help? What can we do? And two kids myself. And it's just, it can be a real blessing. And then if it wasn't just enough to get through cancer, to start your own PR firm, you've done this uh, thing called Becoming a Certified Rise Advocate. And I was watching one of your videos and I actually have the founder of that who is actually, I believe is one of your clients who's gonna be on the show, in my on my next show. Yes. Um, tell us about what is a rise advocate. And I, and I was listening a little bit about how you push through your upper limit. Tell us a little bit about that.
2: Yes, yeah, so um, as I was, I first discovered that um, the first, you know, uh, Diana Patton, and then you know, learning a little bit about as she was talking about this Rise Advocates Academy. So I was the finishing treatment, and um, just at that time, realizing that where I was currently working, I was at a, at an agency. This this wasn't the right fit for me going forward. I think there was so much of, you know, really going through the the treatment that really open my eyes to, you know, what do you really want moving forward? You know, do you want the same kind of, you know, work environment that, uh, to be honest, I wasn't very happy in? Um, Do you want to work for someone else? And during all of this kind of bit of turmoil, and I'm seeing some videos from Diana that were about, you know, confidence and spending time really on, you know, how time for professional development is so important, but also, you know, pairing that with personal development. And some of that just intrigued me so much. I was like, I want to figure out what this is. Cause I felt like I was in such a, just kind of coming up to that intersection of, do I stay with what I'm doing in my career? Do I make a shift? What is that shift? And I just felt A little bit out of sorts, and I thought, I think this is exactly what I need. So I started looking into it a little bit more, and it was an eight-week course. That a lot of it is kind of you're going through, you know, the materials and you know, reading some books. And I have to say, it was the most impactful um, course or any kind of investment I've ever made on myself. Um, Because I still will go back to some of the course materials because it's really you know, beginning and looking into, you know, who are, you know, who truly are you, you know, at that core, trying to identify, you know, what is it that you want? What are your strengths? What can you be, you know, doing and giving, you know, to the world? So it was really looking at, you know, your, you know, where you are professionally, seeing the, you know, what are some of those, you know, one of the courses was about that upper limit. So it's, knowing that you want to go further, whether it's in your current job, you want to do something different, but what is it that's holding you back? And a lot of it, it was the, um, not having that full confidence in myself. Um, cause as I was, you know, in that, what do I do with my job? And I'd start to look at some job openings that were out there and I'd, you know, look at a job description and there are times like, oh, I can't do that. You know, yes, I'm qualified I look back and I'm like, yes, you could, you can do that job. But I'd start to question it myself. And I realized that that was really one of my, my, you know, upper limits to be able to go further was just really spending too much time questioning myself and doubting myself where when you kind of realize that and then look at, but look at your experience, look at what you've done. You, you can do this. And, you know, it's not a, you know, out of, you know, arrogance, but to say, no, you know, don't, you know, disregard some, you know, potential, you know, whether it's a great, you know, work opportunity, you know, opportunity to get involved in your community thinking, oh, you know, I don't think that's me. Maybe that's, that's someone else or, but so too much of that doubting of myself and not because so much of that growth is when you're uncomfortable, you know, that's when that growth is happening. And, you know, I realized that, okay, you know, stepping out of this, you know, my comfort zone, you know, really finding that, um, that calling. And it was during that, that kind of eight week course that I thought I'm doing, I am going to, you know, make that shift. I am going to start my own, my own consultancy. I'm also um, contemplating writing a book. So that's kind of another kind of huge thought out there, but I thought I've, I've got a story, you know, certainly the experiences I've gone through, I think there's something there. Uh, so that's definitely on the uh, on the horizon, uh, but really going through this course and it's called the, the Rise Advocates Academy was really that um, kind of giving me all the tools and some of them, you know, are tools that I had, but to be able to just, you know, make that step forward That um, so it's really kind of a combination of the, you know, the tools and resources, that sense of community, Um, you know, our graduates, as we call ourselves, um, you know, get together monthly. And, you know, it's a kind of session led by Diana, but there's just such great, great community and um, just wanting to see what each of us is going to do and whether it's a new a new role, writing that book, you know, whatever it may be.
1: Yeah. And if, if you're listening, um, I mean, I think Common Threads, that idea of community and getting help and this upper limit, which comes from there's a great book out there called The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks, which is really um, makes the point that we have often we have a ceiling on our happiness and on our well-being and mm-hmm. on, on how much we can have in our life and when we start to get close to that we sabotage ourselves mm-hmm. or you know or we don't have the confidence and the way to get around those it's it's several fold but it is First of all, um, really knowing that you are enough. And in the work that I do with women and a lot of the work that I do, you know, as a, um, influencer, whether it be Instagram or Facebook is really about advocating for women to realize just how powerful we are and how many skills and abilities and strengths we have and to love ourselves. Because when we love ourselves, and we realize, yeah, I am enough. I'm not perfect. I think perfection is like totally the perfection, along with um, social comparison, truly is the thief of joy. But we start to realize, you know what? I deserve more. And I think that's the thing with cancer too. Right? We just we realize when you have that brush with cancer and all of the fear and realize I could die if I did nothing. I mean, we're all only, it makes you just, you look your mortality in the face. You really do that, go down to the underworld, right? Hang out with Pluto for a while and just you rise up and go, what do I really want for my life? So, you know, I think you've really, Emily, you know, encapsulated this idea of, confidence and courage and bravery, bravery to like when life throws you things in, it's not like you made a decision to like go through cancer, to deal with the losing of your husband, but then the courage to say, you know, I've been through these things and I really want more for myself. Exactly. So we only have about a minute. I'm curious, any final words that you have for a woman who's listening who's feeling really stuck and hearing this and going, oh, I'm on my upper limit. Um, I really want more for my life. I really want to rock my midlife. What do you have to say to her?
2: I would tell her to um, to to not be afraid. I mean, it absolutely is is scary, but the potential and what could be on the other side, and just moving forward with that, you know, that idea of I don't want to have regrets, and if I didn't do this because one thing I was worried about I thought you know all those what ifs what ifs what ifs and then it came back to me was the um, that statement of well if I do this what if I fall and then the you know response can be but also what if you fly and uh, that whole um, just idea and picture of you know a bird flying I was like yes I think now is this time when you're you know, ready to rock that midlife is just giving yourself that push to, to do it. And I think that's, that really is, is what you need is just give yourself that, that little push forward.
1: Well, absolutely. Bravo for you. And fear is about facing everything and rising. So thank you all so much for listening. I hope you have been inspired again. If you want to get in touch with me, it's themidlifewhisperer.com. That's themidlifewhisperer.com. Check out the theoptimal.me um, for your fitness needs. And we'll see you at our next episode. Have a great rest of your week.
0: Thanks for listening to Rock Your Midlife. We hope this episode has helped you get real, discover who you are and get the tools to navigate your life. Until we talk again, have a fantastic week and go rock your midlife.